This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. So, but I wanted to go ahead and dive into the word today. So in these, this is week four of this series that we've been in called Stay Positive. And this is a great time to stay positive, right, with so much negativity going around us. It's so easy just to be just happy-go-lucky and positive about everything. And, and yeah, there's nothing ever bad that goes on. And, yeah, uh, so it's, it's just there's a reason why I think the Lord placed it upon my heart for us to talk about this and staying positive because there's so much biblical truth in regards to, to um, giving thanks, to rejoice when seasons are, aren't going the way that we expected them to. I said last week, I'll say again, the staff could um, attend to this, that if we were to look at the staff calendar that we made for the church at the beginning of um, 2020, we realized that 2020 has just been erased off of our calendar, and we're just uh, um, changing everything up on the fly, it seems. But we're so thankful to be able to meet in here today. I do want to take just a minute this morning and talk to you, though, about a thought that I have. And it really speaks to those who maybe be in seasons of their life where in their life where they might have lost some spiritual passion. In fact, I'm kind of guessing right now, and I'm going to assume that with all the complications that this COVID season has brought, that there may be some of you here today, maybe even those watching online, that at one point in your life, you, you really knew that you were close to God. You found yourself super close to God. You could sense his voice leading you. You could feel his presence with you. When you read his word, it's like God was speaking directly to you. But somewhere, somehow along the way, you feel like you've lost some of that spiritual passion. You lost some of that enthusiasm enthusiasm and that's what we're going to talk about today maybe somewhere along the line you lost some spiritual intimacy so where where you find yourself a little bit less enthusiastic about the things of God than maybe you once were and if that's you today then this message is for you and if it's not you and you can honestly say I've been enthusiastic about everything then praise God this message isn't for you but maybe if you take notes there will come a time where you need it so we're going to be talking about spiritual enthusiasm and and I want to tell you that that there's this slump that we can get into that there's this um kind of emotion that we get where it's harder to come to church it's harder to read the word it's 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 harder to pray like you know you should it's harder to fast it's it's harder to have the spiritual disciplines that we all know that we're supposed to have and it's we've lacked the enthusiasm that we once had and I understand that because I've been there and I've done that and and what we have to do as a body of Christ is we have to not only encourage ourselves but also encourage those around us. So today I want to talk about this quality trait in enthusiasm. And the word actually comes from two different words, and it literally means in God. The word to be enthusiastic literally means in God. 
God. And what we have to realize is that there's two different types of you know, um, people here. There's those who let the circumstances influence how happy they are. And secondly, there's those that allow how, how they really feel inside to dictate those around them. And what we have to be careful about doing is we have to make sure that we are in God in everything that we do. That we don't allow the negative situation around us to influence the people around us. But rather we let the joy of the Lord in us dictate those around us. So that the the positive influence that we have in our life can spread to everybody else. You see there's two types of people. Those who let what's going on around them determine their mood, their posture, and their perspective. Or those who let what's going on inside of them influence the climate around them. In God, we have to have enthusiasm and be in God. You see, this isn't something that you work up. It's not a product of the environment that you're in. It's a posture of your heart. And your time with God, it's born in the presence of God, by the power of God. In fact, and we're going to pray in in just a moment that that you would help me deliver this message. But I love what Paul said. And we're going to go ahead and read this scripture and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you that you you pray for me that God use me today. But Paul, and this seems to be the key theme in everything that we've done in the last couple weeks. Here's what Paul said. He said, but thanks be to God. And I love that phrase because that's a phrase we have to memorize. We have to write on every paper. We've got to hang it on our wall. And we have to remind ourselves that when things aren't going the way that we expect them to, when things aren't going the way that we think that they should, we have to but thanks be to God. Why? I need you to help me because he gives us the what? He gives it to us. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, it goes on to say, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing discourage you. Let nothing get you off track. Let nothing get you away from the things of God. Let nothing move you. What do we do? Always give yourself to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Would you help me pray? Lord God, I ask you to come into this place today. God, I ask you that you would anoint me as I deliver this message. God, that you would allow this season of negativity around us, God, for us to be be reminded to give thanks to God in all things. And not to, to fret over these small minor things, God, but to be still and to know that you are God. To know that you're in control and there's nothing that you can't do. That there's nothing that it will ever go through, God, that you haven't already taken care of. So, God, I pray today that you'd be with me. God, that you'd be my mouth as I speak. You'd allow me to speak this message clearly. God, that you'd open up our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our mind to know the truth of your word. God, be with us today. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. He said that, Paul said this passage with as much enthusiasm as I could imagine him having. He said, but thanks be to God. 
He gives us the ability to win over every trial and circumstance that we face through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of what our God has given us. He said, be strong and let nothing move you. Always work. And I love it because there's another, um, uh, there's, there's, there's another version of this passage that says, work enthusiastically for the Lord. And whatever you do, it is never done in vain. You see, because here's what I love about this, and it's the key thought for this entire message. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful, but it's who you do it for. (laughs) It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. It's not the thing that makes the action meaningful. It's the intent of the heart of who you're serving. It's not what you do that makes it, but it's, see, I I say it like this. I spend every week and every Sunday preaching the Word of God. And you might say, well, that's the most important job in this church. Well, I will argue with you that it's not. And I will say that it is equally as important as every other job. And I'll use Lauren for example. I saw Lauren here just a couple of, yeah, she's right there. Lauren cleans the church. She does something I don't necessarily like doing. She, you know, cleaning and the cleaning of the toilets. I have a week. I just can't take it. But she does it, and she goes through the building, and she sprays it all down, and she cleans the toilets, and she picks up, you know, things. And, and all the while she's doing that, she's praying. And she's praying that the Spirit of the Lord would be in this place and that His presence would be free and that we could feel His presence when we're inside the room. And you, you'd say, well, Pastor Chris, you're the one up there preaching and you're, you're doing your thing and people are getting saved. Yeah, but you don't un- understand. We wouldn't have an opportunity to even be in the room if it wasn't for the person cleaning. If it wasn't for the person preparing the way for us to be able to have church. So I say no matter what minuscule thing you might think that you're doing. What job that you're doing right now that seems not very important. I'm telling you it's not what you do that makes it important. But rather who you're doing it for. The Bible says to do it all for Jesus. In everything that you do, do it for God. Why? Your work will not. It, 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 it will be prosperous. It will be blessed. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. For example, I know many of you inside this room have probably been in an airplane. You've flown. I like to fly. I've flown a lot of times. And many of you in here have probably done it early into the mornings too. Well, this smart guy right here decided vacation a year ago that we had travel plans to fly from OKC to um, Panama City Beach to stay there a week with my wife's parents. We were then going to hop in a a plane and fly to Baltimore, Maryland to see my parents. And then a week there. And then we're going to hop back on a flight from from, um, Maryland to fly back to OKC so we could, you know, come back home. So the trip started off. We left after a Sunday morning. Service was great. We gave our hugs. That's back when we you know, were allowed to get a hug. And um, we went to the airport. We hopped in the airplane and flew to Panama City Beach, Florida. And I'm telling you what, one of the most beautiful weeks that we had. Sun was great. Didn't rain much. Spent time on the beach. Was awesome. And then in our planning time, when we were setting up this um, trip, I thought 
it'd be a great idea that when we left the beach to get to Baltimore, Maryland by lunchtime. Well, that means that we had a layover in Atlanta for about an hour, so we had to, our plane left the beach at 6 o'clock, which means we were at the airport at, at you know, 5, maybe just a little bit before, and we were up getting dressed, packing the car, <laughs> you know, um, even before that. And, and my wife will tell you, I'm not a really good person to be around when it's real early in the morning and I've not had my coffee. See? We left so early that the coffee place in the airport was closed. Well, that's not good. Because I've got to have my coffee. So I'm going through the airport, probably eyes half shut, where it's, you know, um, um, it's before anybody in the world that has a right mind, you know, wakes up. And we're walking through the airport, and I'm just in a bad mood because I'm tired, and I want to go back to sleep. And the coffee place is closed, and I just can't take it anymore. So we get on the plane, and I look over at Megan, and I said, first thing I do when we get to Atlanta, I don't care if it tastes good. I'm going to find the first coffee place I can find and order the first thing that I see because I've got to have some coffee. So we got to the airport, and you know, we had a good flight. We landed, got to Atlanta, got out, found the first coffee place that I could find. I went up to this place. I said, I'd like the largest thing you got. I don't know what you call it, but just the biggest cup you can find of as much coffee as you can put in there, and that's what I want. And I'm probably not in a good mood. My eyes are half shut. I really just want to drink my coffee and go back to bed, right? And this lady behind the counter is just dancing. She's doing this thing. And she's singing away. She's just having a good time. She told me her name, where she lived, where she went to school, what she was in college for. She told me her, her whole life story. And she even told me how much she loved Jesus. And I promise you, as God is my witness, at that point, I didn't care about coffee anymore. Because by the time I got my coffee, I was the happiest person there. And the place was electrically charged with because she didn't let the boring atmosphere of the airport dictate her mood. But she let what was inside of her influence everybody around her. And you could just see it at that coffee place. There wasn't a sad face around. Everybody there was smiling because she lit up the atmosphere because of what was inside of her. You see, it's not what you do that makes it meaningful, but it's rather the attitude you have about who you're doing it for. And she was the best coffee person I've ever met. I'm telling you what, I went back to my seat, I drank my cup of coffee, got to Atlanta, and I had the best trip I've ever had because the atmosphere influenced me. And that's why, church, it's so important that when we come into the house of God that we don't let what happened on Monday bring our mood down. We don't let what happened on a, on a Tuesday um, try to tell me I can't worship. We can't let what happened over, oh, 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 over the weekend say, well, I'm just not sure if I want to wake up and go to church. What we got to do is the very presence of God inside of us allow that to influence everybody around us. In God... Enthusiasm, stay positive. And what I want to do today is I want to show you another person. Somebody named David. 
And if you know anything about me, you know I like to talk about David. David was a shepherd boy who became a king. He was a child, a kid who became a king. And as a king, he was filled with joy in God. As a king, though, somewhere along the way, he lost it. But if you know the story about David, one of the first things you probably remember is David and the giant, Goliath. And Goliath and his men and the Israelites, they were at war and they would often pick somebody from each side to do battle and declare the winner based on those two. And Goliath comes in, the Israelites didn't have anybody to stand up against them. And you have little David, little boy, shepherd boy David, who is taking snacks to his brothers. Who in my mind when I read the scripture didn't have a worry in the world. And I want to read this scripture to you. A story that you know. But I want you to look at it from the perspective of his attitude. Of when he walked into this battle. We're talking David. A man after God's own heart. Somebody who was in God. This is what the scripture says. David said to him. He he said you come against me with sword, spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Talk about a little shepherd boy with some confidence walking into a battle he probably shouldn't have been in. But he said, I've got God on my side. And it doesn't matter what's happened in my past. It doesn't matter what's happened before. I'm going to walk into this with as much enthusiasm as I've got. And I'm going to say this. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I want you to listen, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, he's telling him what's going to happen. He said, I know you're larger than me. I know that you are um, 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 bigger than me. I know you've had more experience than me, but I've got something you don't, and that's Jesus Christ living inside of me. Come on, somebody. With enthusiasm. You see, this is not a human confidence. This is a raw, unparalleled spiritual joy born out of a time with God. The question is, where did he get it? Where did he get this? Where did his spiritual enthusiasm come from? When when there was a whole army of of warriors who didn't have what he had, where where did he get that ongoing, inner-dwelling spiritual joy? Where do you get that if you're a lady singing in a coffee shop? Where do you get it if you're a little shepherd boy walking into the battle of your life? And I have a few thoughts about this that I wanted to share. Number one, David trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. He worshipped God daily. He walked with God daily. And the key word is, help me out, daily. He had a personal 
long-standing relationship with God. He trusted him. He walked with him. He worshipped him. How could he fight the giant? Because in the previous days he trusted God when he was taking care of the sheep and a bear would attack. And God gave him the strength to beat the bear. And since he trusted God that day, he could trust God this day. He trusted him daily. He enjoyed his presence. That's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me. He guides me. He comforts me. He's always with me. He, he said that he guides me along the right path even for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You see, he said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and surely goodness and mercy will go with me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord let me tell you something he had spiritual enthusiasm he wasn't scared about nothing he wasn't worried about nothing you see another story when the ark of the covenant came into the city of David you know the ark of the covenant was is where the presence of God dwelled and here's what David did when it came into his town, he went out with no clothes on. He, he went out and worshipped because there was nothing, and I say nothing, that was going to hinder him giving God praise. This is what the, the, the Bible says. He said, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, um, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, what did she do? She despised him within her heart. She despised him because he was worshiping with joy. But he couldn't contain himself. It wasn't just a click on a computer screen once a week in order to watch a message. Now, I'm all about online technology, and I'm glad we have it right now. I'm glad that we can watch from home if we need to. But I'm telling you, as those that are my witnesses inside this room, nothing can replace being with each other and in the presence of God. Let me tell you something. This is what gave David that joy, the daily abiding in the presence of God. What happened within this passage when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of the slave girls. David said to Michael, watch it. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than, oh, I mean, come on. Talking about somebody who didn't have anything to lose. Talking about somebody who had the joy of the Lord, who, who lived out the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nothing stood in his way. But see, also if you know about David though, and this is point number two, he had it because he was with him daily. But there was also a season where David realized that he lost it. If you... Fast forward to a time when he was king. The first season was great with enthusiasm. But there's another story and this text starts off and says in a time where kings go off to war. Springtime when he should have been in battle, David stayed home and when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he climbed up to the roof, saw something he wasn't supposed to see and when he wasn't 
where he was supposed to be. It wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He saw something he wasn't supposed to see, and he did something he should have never done. And it cost him a whole lot. It cost him a whole lot. He had it. He had the very presence of God. Enthusiasm. He had it because he spent time with God daily. But he lost it when he stopped spending time with God daily. You see, I want to show you a contrast here. As a kid, David ran into the battle to serve his God. But later as king, with apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. You see... How did a man who had so much spiritual enthusiasm as a child lose it as a king? And the answer is he took his eyes off his calling and put it on his comfort. He took his eyes off his calling and he put it on his comfort. My question today is which one of those situations best represents you? Are you full of God? Are you in God? Are you enthusiastic about the things of God? Whatever you do, are you that person where you say it's not meaningless because it's not the what, it's about the who? Or do you find yourself more spiritually comfortable, more complacent? Are you charging into spiritual battle knowing that the Lord your God is with you, that He'll never leave you, that you've got this calling? Or have you drifted into spiritual complacency? My observation is this right here. Is that most people, in my opinion, have fallen into one of two extremes during this COVID time. There's one very positive extreme of those who continue to walk with God daily, trust God daily, depend on His presence daily, feed on His Word daily. They're growing in an intimate relationship relationship with Him. They sense His calling. They are directed by His presence. There's a very, very real, powerful, very present in God moment. They have enthusiasm. But tragically, there is another extreme And just based on human nature, what I know about people is we don't drift toward discipline. We don't drift toward health. We don't drift toward good choices. We drift toward complacency. We drift toward apathy. We drift toward self-centered attitudes. And unfortunately, there are people now sometimes disengaged from the presence of being in the house of God. And what I'm telling you today is that no matter where you are, if you're in a place right now, there's a lot watching online today. If you're in a place where you can watch online, praise be to God. If you're in this building, praise be to God. But no matter what you do, wherever you are, you have to have a spiritual joy about you. You have no reason because of what God has done in our life to walk around with this woe is me. Nothing's going to work out. You mean to tell me that you can't look to your past and tell me that God's not been there? And if I know his Bible, this, this word to be true, that he was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? That if he did it once, then he can do it again. Do, are we not a people of God that understood when I didn't have work, God brought it? 
So if it came to it again, God's going to provide. Have we not gone to that point where I was once was sick, but now I'm healed? I once was lost, but now I'm found. There's something about having spiritual joy that makes me realize that there is nothing my God cannot do. David had it. Then he lost it. And then my last thought, and I believe when you're at that place where you lose that spiritual joy, that in God moment, you have to do something that David did. And it's tough. It's hard. Because, Joe, you got to take a long look into the mirror and you got to ask yourself, where did I go wrong? And what David did was he allowed another voice in his life to hold him accountable. And the prophet Nathan came to David. And after the confrontation between Nathan and David, David realized how he had drifted away. How far he had gotten away from God. And he cried out to God in a very powerful psalm. When he said, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. You see, the reason why David is so emotional, because he knows where he's been and he knows where he is. And where he is wasn't where he was. And where he's going has to change. So he said in this moment, God, I remember what you did for me. I remember when I faced the giant. I remember when I, when I won. I remember when you are with me. I also remember when I messed up. So God, create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to what? To sustain me. To sustain me. So that I can keep and hold on to that. It's like Paul's writings. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is, uh, you know, those are the things that that is what we are supposed to keep inside of us. And David said, allow me to keep that so I don't drift back to who I once was. But I'm a new creation in Jesus. You see, when you go back to Revelation chapter 2, you you see this same, this same situation where. Where, where he said, you have left your first love. You walked away, you've let it go, you surrendered it. You have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, and this is where David was, and I believe this is where some of us may be. I didn't lose it, God didn't leave me. I left him. He promises us in his word that he'll never leave us. He promises us that He'll always be there with us. He promises us that He'll hold our hand and walk us through every trial. That He will be there with us until the end. If we get into that place in our life where spiritual complacency sets in and I don't feel God as strong as I once did, it's not because God left me, it's because I left Him. He goes on to say, consider how far you've drifted. And then Jesus said very simply, he said, repent. 
Change directions. Change the way you think and do the things you did at first and do them again. Why? Because you have to be reminded of that season in your life when you knew that God was good. And if you can ever get back to that place where you know that God was good, you know that He can be good again. Why? Because thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. No matter what I go through, thanks be to God. No matter what season I face, thanks be to God. I might be preaching the word or I might be cleaning a toilet. Thanks be to God because whatever I do will not be in vain. That my God will receive glory for whatever it is I'm supposed to do here on earth. So what do I do? Because some of you think, well, you're a pastor. You're always positive. I even had some, someone ask me, how do you just, how were you happy all the time? And I'm going to tell you I'm not. That there's times where it's hard. And there's times where I go home and I lay down on my couch and I say, I blew it today. And as a matter of fact, there's some times where I, I feel like I'm even more under attack. Because of the job that we do. But when I get in those moments, Autumn, what do I do? I go back to that lady in the airport who saw me having a bad day and decided to just dance and sing. And she shared with me the joy of her Savior. And she in that moment realized it's not what I do that's meaningful, but rather who I do it for. And if I and if my attitude can influence somebody else than even selling coffee in the middle of an airport, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to sing to God because you influence people with enthusiasm. We have to be that for somebody else. As I close Today, if you'd come, you might be here today. You might be watching online. And staying positive to you hasn't been hard. You've spent time with God daily. You've worshipped Him daily. You've prayed daily. You've been with Him and your life's been great. And for you, my prayer is that you continue to abide in Him. My prayer is that doesn't change. And my prayer is that the attitude that has overcome you, that it will influence everybody that you touch. But there might be somebody here online or in the building who's realized you aren't where you used to be. Maybe complacency has set in. Maybe a situation's gotten you off track. Maybe you let the situation dictate your mood rather than allowing the joy of God to dictate the people around you. And, and I want to pray that the joy of the Lord be your strength. I want to pray that you remember that time when He was good. I want to, I want to pray that, that you be happy in the Lord, that you get back to that place where you spend time with Him daily. And if you find yourself there, I pray... That like David did with Nathan, he listened, he realized he had lost it, and then he was able to be held accountable and realized what he had done and went back and changed the way that he was. My prayer for you is that we would be humble, transparent. That if you find yourself in the slump, in that place of, well, my life is upside down, nothing is normal. 
that you have a renewed spiritual enthusiasm come over you, that in God moment that brings the joy back. You might be one of those three, and I want to pray for you today. And I want to pray that you leave this room, your living room, wherever you are, you leave it so happy, so joyful, that I pray, and this is, I pray you smile so big your mouth hurts. I pray you smile so big that everybody around you sees it and says, I want what she's got. I want what he's got. I want you to go to the store and just walk around just like this. And people have been having a bad day, maybe didn't feel like they wanted to go to church. But somehow, some way, you walk past them and the joy of the Lord came over them and you don't understand it. You can't explain it. But the power of God in that moment, that in God moment, just used you to change somebody else's life. That's my prayer for you today. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. An in God moment. Somebody's trajectory of life is about to change. Whether they're in this room, they're at home, or they may be somebody you're going to encounter this week. Somebody's life is going to change, and they're going to get back on track, and they're going to get back to what God wants them to do. To do and they're going to find themselves renewed renewed why because thanks be to god thanks be to god thanks be to god thanks be to god, be to god. 